Well, hey friends, great to be with you today. I don't know about you, but I'm having a hard time watching the news lately. I mean, like many of you, I check my phone in the morning, check my news feed, kind of catch up on what's happening in the world. But typically, Karen and I will DVR one of the evening national network news shows and, and try to tune in later in the evening. Now, we always make sure the news is not the last thing we watch before we try to go to sleep. We usually try to decompress with an episode of Seinfeld or House Hunters International. We've pretty much given up on Tiger King. But as you well know, it's pretty tough to try to go to sleep after watching the news each night. I mean, even though this pandemic is beginning to show some signs of slowing down, we are still closing in on 100,000 deaths. That means there are a lot of grieving families out there. And even for those who survive it, COVID-19 can be a terrifying and miserable sickness for the patients and the caregivers. On top of the health challenges are the economic challenges, the unemployment, the food and housing insecurity. We've seen pictures of lines at food banks that are a mile long. One Philadelphia father told a reporter that he had $9 left to feed his family. And then there's the injustice of it all. The fact that black and brown communities have been hit so much harder than, than white communities. That, that blue collar workers are being impacted more severely than white collar workers. There's the suspicion and hostility directed towards people of Asian descent. So much so that some of our own friends and neighbors are afraid to go out of their houses. And then there are the mental health issues, the loneliness, depression, anxiety. Social workers are telling us that they're seeing a rise in cases of domestic abuse. I read an article a couple of days ago about medical personnel beginning to show signs of post-traumatic stress disorder. So all this to say, there's a lot of suffering out there right now. So we knew when we planned this series that sooner or later we were going to need to speak to the subject of suffering. Not only because it's so much a part of our present circumstances, but also because Peter speaks about it so often in his letters. In 1 Peter alone, he mentions suffering or the word suffer 15 times in just five chapters. Now my guess is you haven't heard a lot of sermon series on the books of 1st or certainly 2nd Peter. They are among the least popular books of the New Testament, second only to Jude. And I think it's because Peter addresses so many tough topics in these letters. And in ordinary times, we'd rather not think about all those tough issues. But these are not ordinary times. And so I'm glad that God, in his wisdom and by the inspiration of his spirit, has given us these letters written by Peter. Because he's not afraid to name the suffering, not afraid to face it, and better than that, he offers us a sense of hope and purpose in the face of suffering. So let's turn for a few minutes and focus on the passage that we read just a few moments ago. Let's just walk through it a verse or two at a time and see what we can learn about the, the purpose of suffering in our lives and our world. So we'll begin in uh, chapter 4, verse 12. This is the beginning of his section. Dear friends, he says, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you 
as though something strange were happening to you. Now notice, first of all, that uh, Peter begins with the words, dear friends. I mean, Peter is writing as a pastor here. He's speaking as a shepherd, speaking tenderly to his flock in a time of trouble. And for some reason, it struck me this time around that, that Peter couldn't actually see the people he was writing to. He was somewhere else, so he could only imagine them in his mind as he wrote. And I took some comfort in that because I can't see you either. Maybe you saw the news story just a couple of nights ago about the the rabbi in Marblehead who has pictures of his congregation scattered around the pews in his sanctuary so that when he records his uh, Shabbat service, he can imagine his congregants sitting there as he speaks to them. Now, I haven't done that yet, but I can tell you that as I'm preparing messages, even as I'm delivering messages, in my mind, I'm, I'm imagining your names and your faces. I, I, I think through my email threads. I, I look through the names on the church roster because I'm, I'm thinking and concerned about the things you're all struggling with. Now, hopefully most of us aren't experiencing some of the drastic things that I've mentioned so far. But the truth is we're all struggling a bit and we're feeling for those who are truly suffering right now. So I am glad that we have Peter's words of hope and encouragement to focus on today. Dear friends, he says, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Now, I'm pretty sure most of us listening here today don't believe in a so-called health and wealth gospel. We understand that bad things happen in this world even to good people. We know that God never promised us immunity from trouble. But when bad things do happen to us, we just can't help but wonder why. Did we do something wrong? Is the Lord punishing us? Is he trying to teach us a lesson? And we especially struggle with it when when we feel like we're doing all the right things. We've seen a few news stories about medical personnel or first responders who, who, who courageously and selflessly have stepped into harm's way to help someone only to come down with COVID themselves. Some of them have died from it. How can that be? It's not right, God we say. And God agrees. It's not right. It's not what he had in mind when he created this world, when he formed men and women in his image and put us on this earth to enjoy it and to take care of it. But the earth has gone wrong. Rivers sometimes overflow their banks. Dams burst. Tornadoes tear up the land. Mutant viruses spread across the globe. The world has gone wrong. And and, and people have gone wrong. We're we're too often foolish or reckless or broken and sometimes just plain wicked. So the world is fallen. It needs healing and redemption and restoration. And God is doing that, even now, by his Spirit, through his church. 
He is putting right what's wrong with this world. And one day, his son Jesus will come back and finish that good work, and all things will be as they should be. But in the meantime, bad things still happen in this world, sometimes to good people, and we all suffer. So don't be surprised, Peter says, as though something strange were happening to you. Now, it's interesting that Peter should be the one writing these words. Do you remember how Peter responded when Jesus first spoke to him about his own suffering and death? No, Lord, Peter said, these things will never happen to you. Because if they could happen to Jesus, they could happen to his followers too. Peter didn't want to hear about bad things happening. And and, and neither do we. But in a fallen world, sometimes they do. Don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come to test you. Instead of being surprised by suffering, instead of running from it, Peter says, believe that God can do something with that suffering. That that this fiery ordeal can actually produce something good in you or in the world. The way fire can temper steel, making it stronger. The way fire can finish a piece of of pottery, making it more beautiful. God is not the source of suffering, but in his hands, it becomes purposeful. But but how, we want to know, what good can come out of suffering? Well, let's, let's, let's keep reading. Verse 14. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Peter's telling us that when we, when we suffer, we have opportunities to know Christ. When we suffer, we have opportunities to know Christ, to, to draw closer to him, to feel the pain and brokenness that he felt when he came into this world to save us. The Christians that Peter was writing to, they were suffering all variety of hard things. They were being discriminated against because of their faith, shut out of jobs and and business opportunities. Some of them were being thrown into jail. They were being ostracized in their social circles, insulted, falsely accused by their neighbors. Some of them, we know, were slaves, suffering under harsh and cruel masters. Some of the women were experiencing neglect and maybe worse in their marriages because of their faith in Christ. And the truth is, things were going to get worse. Worse. Just a short time after this letter was written, a fire destroyed most of the city of Rome. And looking for a scapegoat, Nero blamed it on the Christians. And a new wave of persecution broke out against them. Now, none of this was right or fair. But Peter tells his readers that it presented them with opportunities to know Christ, to identify with him, to experience some of what he experienced when he came into the world to save us. I think we all understand how shared suffering 
can bring people together. I mean, people who have survived cancer form a certain kind of bond with each other. Even though each one of their experiences has been unique, there, there's, there's a shared experience, a shared language, a shared suffering that, that enables them to form a sense of community. Soldiers who have fought together think of themselves as a band of brothers. Women who have suffered abuse often find a sisterhood with one another. Shared suffering brings people together. It forms a bond, a knowing, an intimacy that, that good times can't always produce. And so when we suffer because of this fallen world, Peter says, we have opportunities to draw closer to Christ, to understand him, to, to experience some of what he experienced. And again, remember, it's Peter we're talking about. And Peter missed that opportunity. The night Jesus died, Peter had an opportunity to identify with his Lord, to, to stay near to Jesus through his suffering, to stand up and say, I'm with him. But Peter missed that opportunity and regretted it bitterly. And he didn't want his readers to make that same mistake. And so let's not us make that mistake either. Let's not miss our opportunities to know Christ, even in times of hardship and suffering. When we, when we suffer insult, or, or injury, or injustice, or, or deprivation, or humiliation, or abandonment. We have an opportunity to experience what Christ experienced when he came into the world. We, we know a little bit of what he suffered. Now, I always find it just a bit challenging to teach on suffering, since I have not suffered some of the more dramatic things that we've been talking about here today. But, but I have shared with you before a, a dark night that I went through spiritually some years ago. An extended period of time in which I felt abandoned by God. And, and I began to fear that I would never find my way back to him again. It was a miserable time. It went on for the better part of a year. I, I don't ever want to relive that season. But I can tell you every Good Friday... When I hear Jesus say from the cross, my God, why have you forsaken me? I feel like I understand just a little bit the abandonment that he must have felt on that cross. Even the, the minor inconveniences and hardships that some of us have to be putting up with during this pandemic, this lockdown, they can remind us of some of the ways that other people are suffering in the world. Not being able to buy the food that we want. Not being able to see the doctor when we want to. Not being able to, to enjoy a night out or to visit with our friends and family or to, to gather and worship as a church. Let, let those things remind us that there are many people in the world who, who live with those deprivations on a daily basis. Some who will never get to experience some of those joys and comforts ever. 
more frustrated and, 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 and troubled that, that our kids are missing out on, on months and months of school. And, and understandably, we're concerned. But let it remind us when we think of that, that there are millions of children in the world, girls especially, who may never have an opportunity to go to school. Jesus came to relieve that suffering, to right those wrongs, to bear that brokenness. He carried it to the cross and he suffered and died for it. And when we feel the world's pain, we feel Christ's pain. And it draws us closer to him. We know him better. So when we suffer, Peter says, we have an opportunity to know Christ. But it also, he also goes on to say, we have an opportunity to show Christ, to show Christ. Well, let's look at verse 14. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. When Peter speaks of this uh, spirit of glory, he's actually referring to what we sometimes call the Shekinah glory of God. The, the manifest presence of God that would sometimes fill the temple with smoke or quaking or, or sounds. God was evident among his people in those moments. Peter is saying that, that when we suffer like Christ, with Christ, for Christ, his glory becomes evident in us. People see Christ in us. Now his readers, some of his readers, his Jewish readers at least, when they heard this, read this, they would likely have thought of Stephen. Stephen, who was the first martyr of the church. The book of Acts tells us that, that even as he died, even as he was being stoned to death, he looked to heaven and saw the glory of God. And that glory of God was so evident, not just to Stephen, but on Stephen, that it, it wasn't missed by the people who were watching. And one of those watching was a young zealot named Saul, who never forgot what he saw. And the Spirit of God used that image to begin a transformation that turned Saul the persecutor into Paul the apostle. When believers suffer with dignity, with courage, with faith. It bears witness to the presence of Christ in their lives. That's why we call them martyrs. That word in the Greek means witness. As I said earlier, I, I haven't suffered many of the things that we've been talking about here today, some of the more dramatic things. But as a pastor, I have walked alongside people, many people, as they have suffered some of the worst kinds of grief and loss and tragedy and heartache. And, and I have seen Christ in them. I have had opportunities to visit places in the world where people suffer, where believers in particular suffer because of their faith. And I have witnessed the way they suffer. And I can tell you there's something about the way Christ's people suffer. There's a courage, there's a dignity, there's a faith, there's a glory that, that reveals Christ through them and to the world. 
I thought it was important today that, that we hear from someone else, someone who lives in a part of the world that experiences more often some of the more dramatic kinds of suffering that we've been talking about here today. So I asked Pastor Jeanette to catch up with one of our global partners who might help us understand what it looks like to suffer with Christ and for Christ. So let's listen in on our conversation for a few minutes, and then I'll, I'll come back and wrap things up. Greetings, Brother Fayez, in, in Cairo, Egypt. It's a great honor for us to be meeting with you and to have this chance to, um, to connect again via the miracle of Zoom. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about can you tell us a little bit about the ministry you're currently involved in so that people here in Boston have a, a sense of the context of your work? Well, uh, I'm honored to be with you on this interview, Jeanette, and to uh, speak to the Grace Chapel. Uh, well, the ministry we do is Jusur, which means in Arabic, uh, bridges. And mainly it's building bridges of love and hope in the Arab world in a place that's full of uh, darkness and the uh, shadow of death. Uh, to send missionaries, to train missionaries, send them uh, to the nations around and to serve the church around in the, in the Arabic-speaking world. Well, as, as you've been hearing, as we've been listening to Pastor Brian speak, we've been talking about the issue of suffering. And, um, and you've had experience and ex have pastored people who've endured all kinds of suffering in, their, in the ways that they live their lives in the Middle East. And I'm wondering if you can help us um, as, as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. How, how do we have a chance to show the love of Christ in the midst of suffering when people are suffering because of their faith? How have you seen that happen, um, my brother? Uh, well, in, in the Middle East, uh, there is uh, the suffering of just being, of living in the Middle mm. East, uh, like uh, all the un, uh, unrest and the, the Arab Spring that we went through, uh, the, the battles and the war in Syria, in Yemen, in Libya. Uh, this is what the people are living in. A lot of worries, a lot of fear, a lot of uh, death, a lot of uh, attacks. So it brings a lot of fears around you. And, uh, and you lead, really need to depend on God during these times. That's the only way uh, to, uh, to live with God and to depend on Him completely during these times. This is where you get your help from. But there is another kind of suffering that is suffering because of your faith. When you are a Christian in the Middle East and uh, there are some people like the terrorists who doesn't like it, they just don't like it and they don't want you to be around. And so we experienced a lot of attacks on churches in Egypt uh, along the years, especially even until 2017. Uh, 2016, 2010, 2011. I mean, there is a long... Uh, uh, a list of, of attacks on, on Christians in Egypt just because of being uh, Christians. Like the 21 Christians, uh, Egyptian Christians, who were killed in Libya by the terrorists just because of their faith, because they didn't want to leave their faith. They were pressured, they were uh, beaten, they were asked to, they said, if you don't, be, if you don't leave your Christianity, uh, you, we are going to kill you. And, the 21 of them, they stayed Christians, they stayed faithful uh, to the end. And so many stories in, in Egypt and in Syria, in Yemen, many countries, people are suffering just because they have chose, uh, they have chosen to be a Christian uh, during this time. It almost sounds like it's a kind of a superhuman kind of ability 
to be willing and to be faithful to Jesus and to suffer um, when, when uh, there's a threat of your life, right? I mean, you, you're going to likely get killed if you don't recant. How do, you, how do you think folk, where does that kind of strength come from? Where does that, um, where, where are the, what are the roots of that kind of behavior? Uh, I would say there is no heroes in, uh, in this. There is a grace from God. And, uh, and, and this is what happens when people are, they, are, they have to choose between uh, following Jesus to the end or paying the price and staying with Jesus because they know by staying with Jesus, they have all, they, they have eternal life. They, they, he's a faithful God. So you choose in, in some time. It is not an easy choice. It's not something we look for it. We, it's something that we try to avoid. The, we are not heroes at all. Just uh, because you, you know how God is so good. And there is a special grace during this time. And this is what the Bible has promised. Don't worry about what you will speak, what you will say. Your heavenly Father will give you the right words to say, you are going to be, give you a, a strength in every moment, and you depend on his on his uh, protection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it isn't like you you volunteer for it and say, "Oh, wait, me? That's me. I want to suffer for Jesus." And I'm right. No, we don't volunteer to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you live with it, and you know it is coming. Mm-hmm. You know it is it is reality of life. Um, wise words, per usual, from you, brother Fayez. <laughs> We want to thank you for um, sharing some of your heart and some of your experience with um, those of us at Grace Chapel. And we want to know that want you to know how grateful we are to be partnering with you in the gospel ministry. It's our privilege to stand with you and your team and the brothers and sisters in the Middle East um, as they go through the joys and sufferings of life. Um, we do it together uh, because we're part of the body of Christ. So thanks for the privilege we have of partnering with you. And thanks for giving us some of your time today. We're really grateful. Thank you, Janet. Thank you for Grace Chapel. Yeah, God bless you. You too. Thank you. Well, thanks, uh, Jeanette and Fayez. It's great to hear from you today. I've actually had the opportunity to visit with Fayez and the church there in Cairo and Egypt and to sit and talk with some of the believers there. And I can tell you, that Christ is very much present in them and with them around them as they face and overcome suffering in the name of Jesus. So thank you, Fayez, for sharing that. And so to wrap up, when Peter says, rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, he's not telling us to be happy about our suffering. He's not telling us to go look for it, as Fayez himself said. He's simply telling us not to be a victim of it not to run from it in fear, not to let it just happen to us passively. He's telling us to take hold of suffering as an opportunity to know and show Christ. Now, when we first laid out this series and we thought about this message, our theme was going to be embrace suffering. Now, that sounds very poetic and very pastoral, and and I suppose in a certain context, there's something important to be learned there. But this text seemed to call for something stronger than that. Embrace suffering just sounded too friendly. It sounded too accommodating for the kind of suffering and evil we've been talking about here today. So after turning it over in my mind, I landed on the phrase, take hold of suffering. And the image that came to my mind, really, 
It was the image of a, of a snake handler taking hold of a diamondback rattler. Taking hold of it purposefully, seizing it by the neck. Not only to prevent it from striking, but to actually extract its deadly venom. And then use that venom to form a serum, an anti-venom, that could be used to save the lives of those who'd been bitten. On a strange but I think powerful way, that metaphor speaks to what Jesus did for us when he went to the cross. Because the truth is, we, we have all been snake bit. Sin has sunk its deadly fangs into our lives and our world. But Jesus has come and taken hold of all that evil, extracting its deadly poison, not, not emptying it into a vial, but absorbing it into his own body so that his blood became the, the serum, the anti-venin that could save us, that could give us victory over sin and death. So with that image in mind, let's finish with these words that, that Peter writes earlier in this letter. He says, To this you are called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Christ suffered some of the worst things that can happen to a person in this world. But he was never a victim of it. He never just let it happen to him. Even when they were doing their worst to him, he was in charge. He was determining the outcome. He was revealing in that moment the glory and the goodness and the saving grace of God. And we have a similar opportunity when suffering comes our way, to take hold of it, to suffer with Christ and for Christ and like Christ. When we suffer, we have the opportunity to know Christ and to show Christ more fully. And when we do that, we become victors, not victims. Friends, I don't have your pictures in front of me right now like that rabbi does, but you are very much in my mind and heart as I, as I share these thoughts with you today. And so I want to borrow Peter's tone and words here when I say, dear friends, dear friends, if you should find yourself suffering or struggling these days, Know that Jesus wants to meet you right there in that suffering. That he can and will do something good with it. That he can reveal himself to you and through you. If you'll take hold of it. If you'll trust him with it. And if you should be listening today and, and you've never really experienced the kind of victory that we've been talking about, if you've never understood how Jesus' death could, could save you and give you life, you can experience that today. But by inviting Christ into your life 
asking for his forgiveness and the freedom to begin a new life, to begin following in his steps. If, if you'd like to know more about that, if you have any spiritual questions about any of the things we've been talking about today, I'd love to make a connection with you. Just send me an email, brian at grace.org, and I'm happy to begin a conversation with you.